Welcome to another episode of Inner City Spirit, a podcast from Trinity Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. I'm your host, the Reverend Hannah Elizabeth Atkins Romero, Rector of Trinity, and we continue in a deep dive on the Stations of the Resurrection, which are a companion to the Stations of the Cross, but based in the biblical accounts of Jesus appearing to his friends and disciples and strangers as the resurrected one after his crucifixion. Today we interview the Reverend Rhonda Rogers and her son, Brian, provides the music, which is a very special touch. And we engage the 10th station of the resurrection. The 10th station is the risen Lord forgives Peter and entrusts him to feed his sheep. The reading is from the gospel according to John, chapter 21, verses 15, 17b, and 19b. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter was distressed that Jesus has said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep, follow me. My very special interviewee this week is the Reverend Rhonda Rogers, former uh, parishioner at Trinity, which many of you, who many of you know, and now the rector at St. Francis in Prairie View, Texas, where she is doing a fabulous job, in my opinion, and <laughs> very pleased for her and them. So, thank you for being willing to be interviewed, Rhonda. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. So, we're at Camp Allen, where yes. you're take your son and uh, daughter-in-law, Kim, are with you visiting and social distancing, but um, taking advantage of some clergy days. And we're still talking about the Stations of the Light in this podcast. So my first question is always, how have you experienced this pandemic of COVID, the pandemic of racism, whatever you'd like to talk about, but how have you experienced these, these times, really? Well, to say that this is not exactly how I expected my first year of ministry to go would be an understatement. <laughs> I think the hardest part of the impact of the coronavirus is not being able to be together at St. Francis of Assisi mm -hmm. and to celebrate and to worship and to be in fellowship with the people there. They are a wonderful group of of people and their ministry is 
is, is renowned in Prairie View. And it's really impacted our outreach. Mm -hmm. um, we worship together using Zoom and YouTube and then stay online and do a virtual coffee hour, <laughs> you know, so to speak, <laughs> to kind of catch up and stay in touch. But it has been, that's been the most difficult part from a ministerial perspective. On a personal level, it's been very hard to be home and away from family and friends and to experience all the losses that I'm sure many people have experienced with losing family members or friends or not being able to go to graduation or vacation or proms and all of those things and, and how that's impacting my folks. Um, so for the coronavirus, that's it. Um, racism has been a part of my life forever, even yeah. when I wasn't fully aware of it. Yeah. However, I will say the murder of George Floyd took me back to 45 years ago when I lost my best friend mm -hmm. through by murder of, by an off-duty police officer. And that was a very painful week or two. And the hard part there was that I didn't have my friends with me in the way we would have gathered together to mark that time mm -hmm. and to remember together. So it brought up for you these memories, and nobody you couldn't be close with anybody to 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 feel com the comfort. Mm -hmm. Do you feel comfortable telling that story? Sure. Um, so uh, my best friend's name was was Derek Humphrey. Um, we called him Ricky. That was his nickname, and we were we were like the Bobsy twins. We were never m more than a few moments away from being together. And we had gotten very, very close. And um, he was supposed to have dinner at my house that evening. And um, he had was taking one of his swimming students home and had to take a detour. And almost got into a traffic accident with a gentleman. And he called for his son. His son happened to be an off-duty patrolman. He came out of the house with his firearm, fired once through the side window, and killed Ricky instantly. And then he planted a gun in the car. Oh. And um, oh. fast forwarding through several months, he was convicted. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison after being convicted of manslaughter. And I, he, Ricky was 18 and I was 19 years old. Oh, so, so sorry. Yes. This has been going on. It's been going on for a very, very long time, for a very, very long time. And I am, I am as sad as it was to watch the video, as difficult as it was, I actually never watched the whole thing. Yeah. Um, the video helped shine light. It's one of, the, one of the ways this issue got illuminated in ways it had not been illuminated prior to this time. Right. Um, and I'm hoping it makes a real difference in all of our lives. Mm -hmm because it's time for it to stop. When I went to your ordination to the priesthood, that the main thoroughfare there has been renamed Sandra Bland Boulevard, mm -hmm. which is another story of police 
racism mm -hmm. and, and just a tragedy. How does that impact the ministry at Prairie View? Um, well, for me personally, I don't drive to or from Waller County without my collar on. Okay. For my parishioners, they knew Sandra before that time. And, you know, it's, we will never know the whole truth. Mm -hmm. uh, they've, they've accepted that. Um, what's interesting is that the officer that was involved it was not a Prairie View officer. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the church, the community of the Church of St. Francis of Assisi, they have a very good relationship with the officers in Prairie View. And um, they often come to our men's prayer breakfast mm -hmm. um, and, and, and were there for the ordination, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it is, it is disconcerting. It is disconcerting that, uh, I mean, we'll never know the truth. Uh, there may never be justice. That's a reality that is unresolved. Mm -hmm. It is unresolved. So, even as we try not to diminish the, the pain and the, the tragedy of, of these times that we're living in that are a reflection of so many things that have been going on for so long, you know, as, as ordained persons, as believers in Christ, we look for the light of Christ mm -hmm. or to be or to recognize or point out the light of Christ in, in the world and to be people that walk in hope. Mm -hmm. How have you seen that? Well, I've seen it in a couple, couple different ways. One is that um, Prairie View is a, uh, I might as well say for sake of argument, it's a, it's a food desert. There is no true grocery store or access, access to food in, in Prairie View other than convenience stores and the Dollar Tree. And so it's been very heartwarming to see where food is being brought to Purview. One of the outreach ministries that we miss tremendously at St. Francis of Assisi is the ability to distribute food through the Mobile Houston Food Bank. Um, they discontinued that because of the virus, and then we've just been notified that they are discontinuing uh, food distribution in Prairie View because we're not getting enough SNAP registrations, which what that has to do with feeding people, I'm not exactly sure. Um, when you know, people are on SNAP, you know, yeah. which, which, anyway, that's one part of it. But what was really neat to see, just a matter of fact, this past week, is that the mayor, David Allen, as well as Purview University's uh, College of Agriculture and the USDA um, distributed, and I don't want to get the numbers wrong, 1,536 boxes of fruit and vegetables and 3,400 boxes of chicken. Wow. In Prairie View just last week. The university, the president at the university has been doing a lot of work around racial justice. We, we did a vigil um, in memory of George Floyd and those, and those killed in the recent, recent months. Um, and then she also has put together a commission to do work at the university and set up a scholarship as well around racial justice. So for those who don't live in Texas, what university are you referring to? Prairie, Prairie View University. 
And what's the president's name? Her name is Dr. Ruth Simmons. So, so those are our signs of light. Signs of light oh, in the community. Um, I think also the way people have been caring for each other in general, mm-hmm. just checking in on folks, phone calls or emails or text messages, um, just to make sure that people are okay, um, especially people who live alone. Mm-hmm. And even people with, with families, you know, just making sure that everybody is, is well and cared for. Like a surge of tenderness. Yeah, and, and kindness. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, they, they've all, they're a close community because the, most of the, I'm the newbie in the, in the <laughs> congregation, okay, obviously. Tell us a little bit about the church. St. Francis of Assisi was founded in 1940-ish time frame in that, in, that, in that decade by a professors and their families at Prairie View University because they there were no churches in that area that would allow them to worship there. And why was that? Because of the color of their skin. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so they founded a, a, a community of Episcopalians. They worshiped on campus for probably the first 15, 20 years. And then in the, in the 1950s, St. Bartholomew's in Hempstead got a new church and they moved their chapel to Prairie View for the folks at St. Francis of Assisi. And so they worshiped in a small white chapel that actually is on Sandra Bland Boulevard mm-hmm. until 1960 when they built the current rectory. Okay. Um, the congregation has been served since then primarily by um, for a long time, they were a mission. They did not receive parish status until uh, the early 70s, and then were served by, you know, by priests and part-time priests, mm-hmm. and then sometimes no priests <laughs> for stretches of time until I became the bivocational clergy person there in in August of last year. So it's a close-knit community. Very you close-knit were community. Yeah, they 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 either. They attended Prairie View University, <laughs> worked at Prairie View University, <laughs> live in Prairie View or the surrounding community, yeah. and they've watched their kids and grow up together. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's really important, that um, a, a tight-knit community. But even so, don't you think that there's a depth of that kindness and tenderness that that is, is just been amplified in these times. Yes, right? I, it, it's, it was interesting because, you know, I remember my first Sunday there and I felt like I had walked in on a family reunion. Mm-hmm. And so you could tell that there's already this care for each other mm-hmm. that they've carried through this time. But there's also a care for the community. I mm-hmm. mean, I, you know, I talked about the outreach, you know, the retired teachers would meet there. Um, the men's prayer breakfast, which was once a month, which is, I know that's a loss. Um, mm-hmm. We would have 75, 60 to 75 people come to have breakfast and to listen to a speaker, and they would just kind of hang out and, and, and spend time together. Yeah, those yeah. are losses. Those are losses. So we're reflecting on the 10th yes. station of the light, yes. which is where Jesus asked Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, he forgives Peter and it, sends him. And sends right? and sends him out to the to minister to the world. Where so, do you see that scripture resonating with you or in our times? I would say 
because of the way people are caring for each other and trying to tend to each other's hurts, there, there's the opportunity for healing and reconciliation that we see with Peter and Christ. When Christ asks him, do you love me, forgives him and sends him out. I think um, people are passionate around correcting the racism that has existed in our country since the first ship landed on the shores. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's long overdue and it's not consistent with our faith at all. Uh-uh. It is not consistent with our faith. Within Prairie View, because it is a still very much a segregated community, in the sense that it's a predominantly African-American, Afro-Caribbean community. Not that there aren't uh, Caucasians and other and, his, and Hispanic and, and Spanish-speaking communities there around us as well. But that is primarily the community in which I, where I serve. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty obvious that they've been left behind in a lot of ways because of just the access to food and certain services that aren't in Prairie View. And not to get into a long discussion about it, because they don't have a zip code. And <laughs> that's a whole, whole, other, whole other podcast. I'm crossing my eyes. Because <laughs> um, it's a significant community. It is a, well, yeah, I, just leave it okay, there. Okay, all right. <laughs> just leave it there. Podcast is not long enough. <laughs> long enough. <laughs> but, I, but I think that that community does have a sense of God's presence Mm -hmm. and how God is working among them and around them. Mm -hmm. And I I really believe in just in the different things that they do, like, you know, making sure everyone is aware, the way they communicate about what's going on in the community, whether, whether it's COVID testing or food distribution, making sure people who can't get out can get access to like the distribution last week. I think that's where you where where you see that type of work. They 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 talk straight mm-hmm. <laughs> with each other, mm-hmm. and in lovingly in loving ways, will will just like Jesus did to Peter. Come on, <laughs> you don't have to stay here. You don't. Yes, I know this happened, but do you love me? Do you love me? Mm-hmm. Or I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Or you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Don't don't let this weigh you down. Yeah. You know, let yeah. go of that because you have work to do here. Amen. This yeah. is this is the type of things that I see happening among that community. Wonderful. So is there any other observation or comments or things you'd like to say? I think that it's really important if we are going to truly be the Jesus movement. In our individual lives, in our corporate lives as members of the Episcopal Church, that we have to step out and courage. Mm-hmm. I think there is no, although the Episcopal Church is via media, mm-hmm. I think around racism there is no middle way. Mm-mm. There is no middle way. And silence is a form of complicity. We lost Representative John Lewis, uh, yes. kind of oh, civil yeah. rights leader. But I, I, I read something where he, he just said recently, "I know racism when I see it." <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And and also, you know, so there's no middle ground, and so silence is complicity. Yeah. 
ignoring it is not going to make it go away. Trying to, it's not about, it's not about safe. It's not about playing it safe mm -hmm. because I can, I can tell you from personal experience that when I experience racism, I am no longer safe. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, spiritually, or physically, depending on how it manifests itself. Mm -hmm. And so what you are saying when you are silent is that my personal safety doesn't matter. Right. Thank you. Important words. Thank you for joining us again for this episode of Inner City Spirit. I want to thank the Reverend Rhonda Rogers for her ministry and her faithfulness and her wisdom. I would like to also thank her son, Brian Rogers, a musician based in Los Angeles, who provided us with the music this week, and as well, as always, Colin Boothby, our producer, our patient, patient producer. If you'd like to hear uh, more about what's going on uh, with Trinity, hear more episodes, uh, look at our anti-racism work um, and all the other ministries that are ongoing even in this pandemic, please take some time to check out our website at trinitymidtown.org. God bless.